Demon Cleaners, Cleansing House, Body and Soul. If they said we'll be back, then they'll definitely be back. Where is the doll now? Guestimate. Did the doll ask you to play a game? Never say yes to a doll's game. Was it like a ooh? Or more like, your mother sucks in hell. Okay, the first one. Okay, great. Hey there, I'm Kay Bess, and I play Persephone Brimstone in Agents of Mayhem. You're listening to the Horribly Awkward Podcast. You are. That was, that was kind of awkward. Hey guys, this is Kritzia Bajos, and I'm here with Sean on the Horribly Awkward Podcast. He's not that awkward. This is Michael Ray Bauer. I'm a 90 star but basically I'm a star. And you're listening to the Horribly Awkward Podcast. And it's actually pretty horribly awkward. Hey, this is Hannah Tell, the voice of Max in Life is Strange, and you're listening to the Horribly Awkward Podcast. It's so awkward. Welcome to the podcast. I got Josh Sutherland. Guys, this guy looks like uh, Tony Stark. No joke, I've seen some pictures. Josh, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day to interview us. And I got the very, very funny and talented, super improv genius, Shelly Pack. Shelly, what's up? Hi, thank you for having me. I, Josh, Tony Stark, I don't know if you've gotten that yet. Man, I will say, normally I get, see, it's, it's sad. I used to get Zac Efron. My little brother gets Zac Efron all the time. And if I'm a couple pounds lighter, I will probably get Zac Efron. But I get Jimmy Fallon now all the time. So mm. I've, I've grown from... I've grown from Zach to Jimmy, but I usually don't get Tony, but I, I do. Tony is, is I feel like, a nice, a nice one. Yeah, no, no, I get that's it. Flattering. I, I totally get it. You guys told me in private earlier, you knew, your new movie is called From Zach to Jimmy, and I, did, I was like, I, I didn't <laughs> want to ask why it was called that, and now I get it. Uh, yeah, I get exactly. it. From Zach to Jimmy. From Zach to Jimmy. That's great. Yeah. Um, you guys, check it out. They have a movie out. It's out now. You can you could buy it or rent it anywhere. It's called Chasing Molly, and it is funny as hell. Shelly is the star of it, and uh, Josh is the director, the guy behind the camera trying not to laugh at the jokes. That's how it works. It's tough. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. Yeah, so you guys, check <laughs> it out. Check it out. Listen to the podcast and enjoy. Hey, Norma, give us a horribly awkward. 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 Sean, dude, you're horribly awkward. Sean, I know you think this is weird, but it's not as weird as you think it is, dude. Don't think that it's awkward. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to Horribly Awkward, episode 159. I have a guest today whose name is more awkward than mine, so that is a challenge. So I have to top it now. I might have to change the whole entire podcast just to match this guy's uh, name, which I'm not going to give out because it's, it's a Skype name, but it has uh, it's got me shook a little bit. It's pretty awesome. But uh, they, they both work. They both are. Uh, guys, I'm in lost words. Okay. So first off, I got Shelly Pack, who is a writer and an actor um, in a movie called Chasing Molly, which I have watched a couple weeks ago. And also on the podcast, I have uh, Josh Sutherland, who is a director on the same movie, Chasing Molly, that just released about three weeks ago, would you guys say? Uh, yeah, we're almost about, uh, yeah, 
about six weeks almost. Six, oh, six weeks. Seven oh. weeks. Yeah. Jeez. But we're, we're a new release. We're definitely a new release. We're just been put out there. So. Okay. Well, if I fumbled through this intro and it sounds like crap, let me give you a nice welcome. Everybody welcome Shelly Pack and Josh Sullivan. Man. Yay. Thank you so much for having Yay. us, taking the time to interview us. We um, appreciate it. And that was a pretty hyped up intro. So thank you for that. Yeah, you've got a great cheering section over there. That's amazing. I um my my work week has been really fucking stressful and today I was not even sure I was going to get off on time for this and we we banged out the job we were doing. I got off and I was excited and I just been running around. I'm here, but my mind isn't caught up with my body yet. My body's here, my mind's like floating around ether, but I'm happy to be here, guys. Yes, thanks for having us, man. We appreciate it. I sound like I'm on your podcast. Yeah, guys, I'm happy to be here. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. thanks for inviting me. <laughs> so you guys put um you guys put out a uh, well you know what before we get to the movie I have a question for you because you guys live down south right both of you guys are in LA area yeah were yeah. you affected by the earthquake that happened yesterday oh we I felt it for sure I was you know I felt it start and I turned to my husband I'm like we're gonna have an earthquake and he's like huh and then it was like oh full force but when you're from California you don't panic you just you're like oh that's a four point two uh. Epicenter is probably 12 miles from Northridge. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, you don't uh, freak out when you're from California. You just ride it out. I didn't feel it because I was asleep. I slept through it, um, which is the <laughs> most, which is le- legitimately most earthquakes that have happened since the time I've been in LA. I've slept through. I have felt a couple, but I did not feel that one uh, yesterday. So my next concern is this plot, This earthquake yesterday happened around 10:33 a.m. Why were you asleep at 10:33? Man, it's a lie. I'm off. I am I'm a vampire too. Like if I go between jobs and have like days off or you know when you're freelancer in between gigs, I'll just like start staying up later and later and later and it's just a vicious cycle. But um yeah, I was obviously <laughs> I didn't have work. It's 4th of July, so I'm going to sleep in and I was totally definitely sleeping in. I totally forgot it was 4th of July yesterday. We're like halfway through it. And I'm like, oh, today's a, supposed to be a holiday, you know? I don't think about it. So I, I, I worked, so. Yeah. The whole weekend kind of just goes together, right? 4th of July weekend, so. Yeah. It was, uh, I didn't do anything. I, I fell asleep watching a movie around 7.30 uh, p.m. <laughs> well, woke back up, reround the movie. Uh, which is a new movie on Hulu called Culture Shock. It's a kind of a trippy horror movie. Yeah, if anybody out there wants to watch this movie, it's really uh, it's really interesting. I saw Midsommar yesterday. Oh, which, really? I want to go see this immediately. How was it? Man, I, so I missed Hereditary. I, I will say that. So I need to go back and watch that. My girlfriend was too scared by it to watch it again with, with me. And so I haven't seen it, but... Um, Midsommar came highly recommended to me by another um, director that I kind of uh, kind of was on a job with last week, and he he was telling me it's a director from Hereditary, so that made me really want to see it. Um, and it just wasn't as scary; it was really creepy, and it wasn't. I, I my girlfriend said it's good you didn't see Hereditary before going into that because she felt like my expectations would have even been higher. But um, I was entertained, but it was just it was really long. It was kind of it was creepy. But um, I still want to see Hereditary, and I think that they all said that was that was better. But uh, definitely yeah. watch Hereditary. My girlfriend, I was talking to her earlier, and she said she saw it today, and she said Mid- this is her quote. This is what she said: "Midsummer is fucked up, but great." Mm. So that's sounds that's accurate. Yeah, it's fucked yeah, up. I'm really interested in it. It looks cool. I've only watched like half of the trailer, and I'm like, that looks like one of those trailers 
that I don't want to know a lot about. I just want to go into it and watch it uh, just unveil itself to me. Right. And then I came home and cr- grilled a hamburger on a grill, so I felt really American. Uh, yeah. Before the July. America. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. What did you do for, for, for the fourth Shelley? We uh, watched a bunch of movies. We saw Us. I've been wanting to see that yes. for so long. Mm-hmm. I was, I loved it. And I saw Bumblebee, and then I saw Keanu Reeves. I know. Listen, I, I like the Transformer movies. I think they're entertaining, but I don't know. I might. Some movies they just make so many of them. Not the Transformers in particular, but I just I have to bow out at some point, like of all the franchises. I like. I, I, I just can't. Someone's like, oh, you got to watch this. I was like, well, how many are there before? He's like, 64 uh, <laughs> Avengers movies. I was like, I, I can't commit to this. You know what I mean? I barely could commit to like a relationship. I can't commit to like a movie series <laughs> like that. So there I'm just go. like, I'm out. I'm tapping out. But um, I really got to say that, uh, you know, us and get out. I just I love the originality. Um, yeah. And that's part of why, not to come back to the subject of Chasing Molly, but let's get back to it. Um, (laughs) You know, I think it's cool that, you know, independent films shouldn't be so rare as they are. So we're really honored that we, you know, were able to make an independent film in in an era of remakes and reboots and and trilogies and quadrilogies. Um, We feel very, very lucky and very honored that we, you know, got to make a comedy that is really different and uh, really kind of raw and unfiltered and not cookie cuttered. It's not like a typical studio movie. We got the compliment the other day. They're like, wow, Hollywood just doesn't make movies like this. And that was a huge compliment to us because this just shows how original um, and different it is. And that's what we wanted to do. I mean, you don't get into this business just to do what someone else has done, right? When you're creative people. So for Josh and I to get to express ourselves and have something that's totally us, you know, on, you know, a finished product that we're really like, wow, that came directly from us. Um, It's just been an amazing journey. And then to have it out and get it sold and have people respond in the way they have, it's just been unbelievable, and we're just so grateful to be able to even be here talking to you about it. Yeah, I gotta. Yeah, I, I gotta say, like th- when I started this podcast, I used to um, I used to listen to a lot of improv um, podcasts, and I just because I love the the art of improv and just making shit up as you go, and the way you know, like you you'll come up with just creative things on the fly, and it's never going to be something that can be written down. Never. You can never write something that... You can never write an improv prof skit the, as well as improv skit could 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 form itself on its own. So right. I, when I started this podcast, I would I would always do improv skits in the beginning, and I did that forever and ever and ever. And it, it became a lot of work because I would uh, start editing in sound effects, and I started spending three hours on like a five-minute just... <laughs> just editing in chairs pushing in the background and people walking around and it, it became too way too much work but i love improv and i could tell when i watched the movie there are scenes that were definitely not written out that way just you just kind of roll with them and see just to watch to see what, what came out and i, I fucking right. love that that's that's amazing yeah, I mean, Shelly um, is a very high-level improviser and has been for a long time. And so we're lucky enough to, you know, I will say this: the script, we definitely took a lot of time in forming the story. And actually, we strategically wrote and formed the movie specifically in a way that we knew we could shoot it ourselves if we had to. But 
getting back to what you were talking about, Shelly is lucky enough to grace our movie with a bunch of her friends, right? Like a lot of these people in high level comedians, she knows. And so we didn't bring these people to set to, you know, get a hundred takes of the same thing. They're, they're very funny. And as you said, great improvisers. And so we would do a couple takes to book. Once we have those in the can, we know it's like, okay, we, we're such an independent movie. We didn't have a lot of time to like, bang and spend on scenes we frankly had a lot of pages we had to get through if we were spending the money to shoot that day and so we could only do a couple to book and then it was like with any time we have left we're just gonna let these people give a no hold bards performance you know i've been saying that um kind of in every interview is like these people were just letting them go crazy on the page and so a lot of the scenes naturally kind of have that feeling and um you know it's it's to me that's very fresh and um we that's pretty much how i feel about it yeah, and it's also, you know, a testament to to improvisers in general that when we deliver lines, even written lines, like even the jokes that are written, it still comes across um, not scripted. You know, in improv, you don't you want to be very natural and in the moment. So even when you're saying hi, hello, you know, walking into a room, um, you you want to be as organic um, as possible. So even the jokes, even though some of them are written they don't feel scripted and it doesn't it doesn't take you out of the movie you feel like you're in it because it's so natural the way the actors are delivering it um the best acting advice i ever got was don't act you know just be be you um because when people act it tends to look like overacting and we were so fortunate to be able to get the talent we have on on camera that everything just kind of flowed and like josh said i you know worked with these improvisers for years and so when we're together on camera like jim cashman who is jamie from the progressive commercials he plays my sidekick atticus in the movie you know we've been working together and we have great chemistry so instantly when we're on camera we immediately are you know have that chemistry whereas most movies you probably have days of rehearsal and stuff like that with us we didn't have time or the budget for that so it's like the first take we're recording the first take um and so it had to be instantly um charismatic right away we didn't have time to like warm up and when we got kurt angle on set same thing um we didn't have days to have him on set for you know rehearsals and anything like that so we were fortunate that he nailed his lines every time. Yeah, he's a scary dude too, right? For for him to be <laughs> like the, the villain of the movie, like he's a, a scary fucker. You're not going to say anything mean to that dude. <laughs> but but you're in you're in his face, you know, being funny in the movie. That's like that's the kind of stuff that you're when you when you talk about Hollywood movies, you don't get these kind of movies. You know, we kind of have an idea. I love Hollywood Hollywood movies. I love independent movies. I just like movies in general. I like comedies, I like yeah. horror movies. It's just anything goes as long as it's entertaining and it's I, I love cre- creative movies that are on its own. And this your movie it's very creative on its own. You guys you guys still a drug stash and uh, <laughs> it goes from there from this scary dude who almost looks like Kingpin from the Marvel <laughs> uh, universe mm-hmm. and and, and uh, it, it's I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's it's really I really like movies that when you watch them you have no idea what's gonna go on. I was sat down and watched a movie and I didn't know where it was going. I just felt it unraveling as we watched the movie, and I didn't have any idea of where the end was gonna end. And that's the kind of stuff I like. 
Oh, we appreciate that. Yeah, the last thing you want is like when you start watching the, a movie and you're like, okay, this guy did it. It was the sister who married mm-hmm. the dad. They're having a baby, you know? And <laughs> I think we're so jaded because also like we love movies too. Josh and I, you know, we're in this mm-hmm. business because we love it. Uh, we love making movies and watching movies. So, you know, when you've seen everything, it's tough to like, you know, you're jaded already, like seeing it. I know what's going to happen. So we worked even harder to create something that nobody would expect, you know, something we would really want to see because it was just the two of us, you know, working so hard. We didn't let any of the balls drop in the making of the movie where some features might fall through and or independence might fall through, you know, in the editing or at certain phases. Um, Josh and I just kept it going, kept it going, kept it going. So because it was just the two of us, while it was more challenging, I think it also led it to where we weren't going to let it, it it drop. There was no way we weren't going to finish this thing. Yeah, well, you, you it becomes a passion project for you, right? Yes, it's not, it's exactly. Not like, let's make let's make this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's put it out. Let's make some money. You're like, let's make this movie because we want to make this movie. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we, we don't get a lot of that. And I mean, we see it in movies and music all the time. I mean, m- music has become so lazy nowadays. A lot of people just make music. Like, okay, this guy, this guy right here, definitely is going for the money. Nobody gives a shit what he's saying. Uh, we see that in music all the time, and definitely movies. Right, you'll see a movie that you're like, okay, well, they, it was made because they have X actor, this actor, this you know, tentpole movie behind them, this series. This famous book, and that's why the movie was made. Um, independent films, what's great about them is they, they're made because of the content has to be strong, um, as opposed to just having all of those standard pieces that you know go into studio movies because they make money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's completely, you know, a different a different way to make movies. But I, I just think the creativity, like you said, um, really got to shine uh, in chasing Molly. For sure. How, how did you, how did you two link up to want to do this project? So Shelly and I met um, almost maybe seven years ago. We did a short film. Uh, Shelly is actually Shelly is actually a huge humanitarian as well. And so when she's not on set or in between gigs, she is you know helping children with autism. And she had a oh, student um, yeah. who she really wanted to tell his story. And we met, and I was like, you know, I, I'm a filmmaker. Let's let's make a film about this. I was into it. And so we actually did make that short film. It's called Dashiell journey through autism. And, um, you know, after that finished, we kind of were like, well, what do we really want to do? And Shelly has, uh, another script that I thought was very funny. And so we tried to package that and get the feature going. And we actually had investors fall through with that a couple of times. And so out of that, we were like, what can we sit down and, and write and make and that we have complete control over and that no one can, you know, we're not waiting on anyone else to make the movie with us. It's like, let's make one that we can make ourselves. And that turned into chasing Molly. And, you know, I knew from the beginning that me and Shelly were going to get along. Cause after we did that first um, film about Dashiell, I would kind of, kind of get, you know, time would go by and every couple of weeks I would get an email from her, a phone message or a text saying, Hey, like I submitted Dashiell to such and such festival, or I submitted it to this other little fest, uh, in this country. And, and literally every week I would get an update being like, yo, Dashiell's playing in Russia or Dashiell's playing in Brazil or Dashiell's playing, you know, in Turkey. And that little film probably played, um, in 30 different countries, you know, uh, at the time. And so that just proved to me that like, 
Shelly is going to get her stuff seen and continue to press and push for it no matter, you know, what it's done or who's attached or whatever. And other than that, it just, she doesn't take no for an answer. I mean, that, that little <laughs> documentary, I swear, played in 30 different countries. And so we were like, all right, let's, uh, let's, what do we really want to do here? We want to make comedy features. So let's, let's make a, let's make one. And so we, we literally just set that as our mission to do it. And, uh, you know, seven, seven years later, here we are. So nice, nice, nice. Um, so when you, like when you guys do a premiere of your own movie, especially Shelly, so when you're up there, when you're in the audience watching your own movie, do you get very critical of your own stuff? Is it hard to look past like, you know, like, cause for me listening to my own podcast, I can't do it because I just feel like I could have done a million things differently and it bugs me in my brain. So I'm always curious to hear how people watch their own stuff and, and criticize it. So because Josh and I were like literally like every edit you know, we oversaw everything. So by the time it got to where we had the, you know, final print that we were having our screening for, we'd seen the movie so many times. Mm -hmm. So what's great is like, if there was something that was so terrible, like we, we would just cut it. I mean, it could be like superficial, (laughs) like, Oh, I didn't like how my hair was. There's plenty of scenes where I don't like my hair that are in the scene. But, uh, you know, I actually, as an actress, you know, I want to fight that critical voice inside and just enjoy, you know, the performance. And I even said, I said to myself, I said, Shelly, don't do not focus on your appearance or anything else but your performance. And even though that's a challenge, um, it actually paid off because I'm really happy with the performance I gave. And so I really look at that. And yes, there are scenes where I was like, oh, my, I couldn't have gotten no one said anything about that one piece of hair or, you know what I mean? To tuck in my shirt. Like, of course there are those little things that I, but overall I'm so proud of the product that I just let all those little things go. Um, when other people were watching the movie and we were all watching it together, I thought I was going to like, just look at everyone's reaction to the movie, but I just got so caught up in it. That I was, I just enjoyed it, which I'm happy I did. You know, you you need to make a movie for yourself. Um, You're never going to please everybody. You just, you just won't. No. So the fact that this is something that was truly ours, you know, it's, it just, we're just so proud of it that I'm not going to let other things steal that joy. Um, Even though it's a challenge when you're very attached, you care what people think and you want it to do well, but on the whole journey of actually then having different companies, you know, make offers to us to distribute and, um, and to sell a movie that to us was, was everything. So this whole experience has just been an amazing ride. You know, of course there's those little, the bumps in the road, but, um, you just keep going. Uh, you know, we've, we've spent years grinding and hustling in the industry. And then when we went to make our passion project, Um, you know, everyone jumped in and helped us. We had built up a lot of good karma. You know, Josh behind the camera has done everything, you know, from VFX to pre-production, you know, audio shooting, directing the whole thing. And so when we needed help, um, in post, he was able to call in all of his connections. And then for me on camera, I had built up, you know, a great repertoire of comedians that I performed with that, valued what I was doing. And I, so when I said, Hey, I'm making this movie, they said, what time we'll be there. So it was really, you know, uh, kind of a whole career's worth of, of working and making these 
bonds and networking and forming kind of this grid, this community of, of people that we were able to make Chasing Molly. Um, we wouldn't have been able to do this had we just been starting out, you know, and, and, and earn, you know, paying our dues. We'd kind of paid our dues already. And when we called in all the favors, um, of course, people believed in the movie or no one's going to do something they <laughs> they don't like. Right. But they knew us and they believed in the project. So um, we really were able to call in all of our favors. And that was how we were able to pull this off. That's awesome. That's awesome. It came out the way you wanted it to. So that's, yes. that's that worked out well. It really did. It really it really came out how we wanted it to. Um and, and sometimes, you know, there's cuts you didn't like. And if we didn't like it, we didn't both think it was great, we cut it. Whereas when you have like a studio or all these other, you know, corporate figures on board, they tell you kind of what to do and the product to make, right? So they would say, oh, we'll just put that in or, um, you know, don't put this in. That's too risky or that's not safe or the audience is not going to react well to that. And we didn't have any of that. So we only put in what we felt was the best of the best and there's no, and nothing added that wasn't necessary just to fill time or that we didn't feel was, you know, a material, which was a very cool part of being so independent. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, I mean, that's, that's always wonderful to hear stuff like that. You know, you guys had full control over what happened. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a couple of scenes in the movie. I mean, I'm definitely not going to spoil anything for people listening because you guys should check it out. Uh, there's going to be some moments that are really going to catch you off guard and just make <laughs> you laugh. But the, the dude, the, the Hispanic guy, the gangster guy with the tattoos, real tattoos or not? Real. Well, those are all, <laughs> all real. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't look it up. I just remember that. And I'm like, I got to ask about this because <laughs> he yeah, got the, he's a- got the big horns that go like a, a, like over his whole head, down his neck. It's crazy. Yeah. And he's got like a full, like, it's like a Terminator skull, metal skull thing on the back too. Like it's some, it's definitely some commitment. And, but I will say Scar, they were, they were awesome on set. Um, and he's, he's got a really funny, um, internet following from the viral videos called cholos try and so um you should check those those out as well oh what is it cholos cholos try okay and that's how i found him you know most of the people in the movie that are like the comedians those are my friends right but then there's some people we didn't have like we didn't know kurt angle we didn't have a big you know tough mean guy to play the bad guy and we didn't have the head of the hispanic gang so I start, you know, scrolling and I'm looking and I see these videos called Cholo's Try. And it's like Cholo's Try Kombucha, Cholo's Try Kale. It's all these like funny stereotypical white people things that, yeah. you know, stereotypically white people like. And then the Cholo's giving their like, imper- you know, their impression of it and they try it for the first time. Right. It's re- they're really funny. But anyway, I see this guy scar and, you know, he's got the tattoos on his head, on his face. He's got the teardrop under his eye. It's like, it's got like a plaid like emblem inside the teardrop. I'm like, how many people did you have to murder to get that? <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. But meanwhile, I'm not intimidated. I'm like, this is the guy for the movie. I got to find this guy. So then I had to find him. And thank God for social media. You know, obviously his name is not Scar. So I had to find out what his real name was. And then he, you know, Anyway, a few days later, I end up finding him, connecting with him, and he agreed to do the movie. So it was just stuff like that where we just were very fortunate that 
when we put out the right energy and really just hustled and tried and put your head down and work, then also the other elements came together too for us on this project too. Yeah, this guy's perfect. Look, I'm looking he's at his, his YouTube he's right perfect. now. I'm like, this guy's perfect. <laughs> so just just for uh, just to say, you guys check him out on YouTube as well. This guy, he does Cholo's Try. So it's like Cholo's Try the Farm Life. Cholo's Try <laughs> Ballroom Dancing. Cholo, uh-huh. Cholo's Try right. Vegan Food, Kale Chips, and Kombucha. Shit like yep. that. That's, that's funny. It's, they're so funny. I'm laughing already just thinking about Cholo's Try Ballroom Dancing. Have you guys seen Cholo <laughs> Fit? Dude, I do know Creeper or Cholo Fit. Yeah, that's such a funny character. Cholo that, Fit's uh, funny. Well, didn't we look at him? I think we were going to find him first. We almost looked we at did. him once, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, this, this see, I, I like that you guys went for, okay, I like this person. He'd be perfect for our movie. So you, you found him, tracked him down, got him. That's cool. Yes. I yes. mean, yeah, that's, that's how he said the whole movie was like that, man. Just like we figure out what we need and then have to figure out how to get it ourselves. Um, and a lot of, you know, as we said, the whole movie was made and structured so that we could do that. Because most feature films, you know, you have a certain X number of dollars and you make a schedule and you shoot back to back to back 30 to 60 days and you shoot all out of order and stuff like that. And we we didn't couldn't have that luxury. And we, you know, luckily I've spent enough time learning how to make movies like that, that I know how to kind of bend the rules if I had to. And so I was like, I'm lucky enough to have really nice sound gear and really nice film equipment. And so we're like, we have the tools. How can we do this ourselves? And so we made some rules when we were shoot writing the movie. Um, you know, obviously we live in LA. We're going to shoot most of the movie in LA. It takes place in LA. We need the story. We can't afford to have, you know, wardrobe and a bunch of uh, continuity and script supervisors on set. So we need the story to really be a night and a day and a night. So the main characters kind of just wear the same thing. They show up to set and we don't have to really worry about dressing them or figuring out what they wore in this scene or where we are in the movie. Uh, just takes out a bunch of the variables. And we also made a rule that really helped us in casting and allowed us to get yeses from bigger talent was um, the other than the two main characters of Atticus and Molly. Um, if there's a third person in the scene, we wanted to be able to shoot that person out in one day. And the reason why we did that is because um, the, the one thing that most of these um, celebrities have the least of is time. And so being able to go up to them, even though Shelly, you know, may have an intro or knows them from before, getting them to say yes to our project is we wanted to make it super easy for them to, to say yes. And so being able to say, we're never going to call you back in. It's not multiple days. We need one day or half day. We'll finish you out in one in, in this one scene. And there's no company moves. It's one location. It just made it easy for them. And that allowed us to get some really, really high level talent and basically took our movie just to the next level. I, I keep saying it's like a little snowball that you're rolling down hill and it just quietly turns into an avalanche. And so that that really is kind of the story of how Chasing Molly, um, like how we were able to go about making it ourselves, which seems kind of impossible at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like for the longest time I was like, it just seems like we've shot only 20 minutes of this movie. Like it felt like that for the longest time. But, you know, what Josh was saying, another cool element was that we didn't use casting directors or go to agents. Right. So. You know, because I knew some of these comedians, I would write the dialogue for them. So like the cops, like I knew who they were as performers. So I would write the jokes knowing that Mm -hmm. they were the ones delivering it. Same with the pawn shop guy. Same with, 
you know, any of the, like, uh, can you cuss on your show? Can oh, you cuss? fuck yeah. Okay, so, like, the <laughs> character, the character Skullfucker, for example. Yeah, yes, yes. So, he's, Skullfucker's been a friend of mine for years. Everything he does to me is funny. His face is funny. Like, just whatever he says to me is funny, right? That's the guy so, with the baby, right? With the baby. Yes, so, I'm like, yes. well, how do I make this worse, right? Well, let's have him, you know give him three kids, make him a drug dealer, have him cuss profusely. Um, and, you know, and so I was able to write the dialogue for the actors. So it also was alluring to them to be like, okay, this scene is definitely for me. And I also, after we get everything to book, I get to improvise and be creative and be loose with it. So, you know, like Josh said, time. And then the fact that the parts they were given were not, it's not, it's something that they wanted to do because it was very much them. We've got the compliment that it seemed like these actors were almost doing like their routine. And it's, it's because I knew them so well that I could write the scene for them so that they would really shine. And then of course, you know, they went above and beyond and made the characters come to life. It's one thing to have it on the page, but then when you see the actor pull it off, you're like, wow, you know, it just really comes to life. Um, so I think that's also one of the reasons why we were able to get the talent uh, we did on the on the on the project. So that character Skullfucker, who's the guy who plays him? Uh, Jeff Lewis. Did uh, I'm when I'm watching it, I'm thinking what I thought you guys did, and tell me if I'm wrong, is you just let him rip out a bunch of crazy psychotic lines about fucking skulls and eye holes, and just let him go for a while and just pull out the best ones, right? It kind of felt like he just went. For it. Yeah, that that's one of the rants. Like you know, <laughs> I, I wrote like you know, Hava Nagila motherfucker and all those, and you know, I said, listen, Jeff, you're sucking dick for diapers. It's called pounding yeah. for pampers. <laughs> yes. And uh, and and but ultimately, you know, this guy calls, and I want you to just get perf- more and more angry about how you're going to fuck his skull. And then he did. And he, what you don't see is towards the end, Josh is almost like the cameras falling because he's laughing so hard because you don't know what he's going to say. He's like, and then I'm going to shit on that skull and I'm going to make, you know, the skull come alive and do characters with it. You know, all that stuff, you know, is definitely Jeff's for sure. When he starts going off on what he's going to do to that skull. So, uh, so how do you guys, how do you guys keep your cool in the background when you watch something like that happening? You're like, how do you not bust? Cause I couldn't hold it in. My face would hurt from my smile would be so big. My face would hurt. And I, and like you're saying Josh is behind the camera. I mean, Josh, how do you, how do you keep it together? Man? I mean, yeah, I think in the, like the bonus little extra shots at the end during the credits, there's, there's a scene of him kind of keeping going and you see me just at the end. He's like, I, I well, I start shaking too much and drop, <laughs> drop the take. And I'm just like, we have to call cut. Cause, cause on something like that, where you're just like, all right, just let him go. Just go, go, go. So we're just letting it roll until, you know, until we can't anymore. And then we, and, and then that one, so you're, you're seriously trying to just not ruin a take. And I, I, I personally, like, I feel like sound gets kind of lost on a lot of shoots. Sometimes, you know, producers just kind of like think of sound as an afterthought. Sound is very, very important. And it's also probably because a lot of, you know, years when I was freelance, I made my living mostly from doing location sound mixing jobs. And so, um, no, knowing I don't want to blow a take um, because the sound isn't salvageable because that's the biggest problem for me is sometimes when you're looking at something and then it's like, oh, man, we can't use this cut because we don't have the line, but the footage is there. So, so yeah, trying to be quiet on set is so hard, man. And, and especially, like, yeah, during the cop scenes, like, they're so funny. The skull focus scene, like, there's there was definitely a couple scenes where it's like everyone is just trying 
to not laugh behind the camera. Yeah, and yeah. then Shelly, you're right there. You're sitting right next to. You're oh man! Right there, like trying to keep your cool. How, how do you do that? It's so hard, but you know there's so much at stake. It's like, yeah. Um, you know, you'll watch movies. They'll show like the bloopers, and you'll see people like laughing during takes. I'm like, we didn't have that luxury. Like, we've got yeah, we 20 minutes time. before the sun the goes down. Yeah. yeah. So it's like there's too much at stake. I don't care if my stomach like explodes on the inside. I am not going to lose this take. Um, but it definitely takes everything you have to not laugh because it's so funny. And the, you know, there's scene with the grapefruit or Mason Brown, you know, and he's, Oh yes. And he's just getting so angry that I don't know what grapefruiting is. And like, I, I didn't expect him to get as angry as he did or make, like so annoyed by it. And if, I'm finding it so hilarious, but I can't laugh because Again, we don't want to ruin this take. Some of it's like some of the stuff he's doing is very improvised, and we don't know if we're going to get that again. So it's just a matter of like there's too much at stake to even risk laughing. You just hold it in. You just hold it in. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. you're very funny too on camera. So, you know, I, well, can, I was waiting I can, for you to say that. Yeah, I'm yeah, 45 minutes in, and oh I was like, God. when is he going to give me a compliment here? Oh, Jesus oh yeah, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> just awesome. Kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Let's <laughs> give you a hard time. But yeah, I mean, no, I mean we're, anytime we're shooting just any, yeah, even the Shelly stuff, it's just, we're just trying to be professional as we can. And yeah, um, one day we'll have the luxury of just being able to reset and take another take. But um, on this one, uh, unfortunately, we needed as much of every footage usable as possible. Yeah, who's true, whose um, idea was it? The scenes with the, the two cops that are just like saying crazy nonsense, right? And they want to be actors and... It's, it's so random because you, you're like, why is this scene here? And then, you know, it'll happen again later. And you're like, oh, these guys are hilarious. You know, I want to be these guys' friends. I want to hang out with those two cops <laughs> right there and just bullshit with them. I think it's exactly what Shelly said earlier, just knowing, you know, those guys personally and what setting them. You're putting them in a position to be funny, right? Like, they're going to be funny no matter what. But, yeah, as Shelly said, I think a little bit of the lure of the role is that she knew them before and knows what they're good at. And so you're writing stuff to just literally tossing them softballs that they're just going to crush into home runs. Right. And just on camera be so funny. And so letting those guys kind of just go with like one of them, like wants to keep putting honey on his face. Cause he thinks that's going to get rid of his wrinkles. And it's just like <laughs> letting them go with that. It, yes. it, it turns into like a real funny scene. Was it so. actual honey? Yes. Oh, yeah. Everything okay. is real in the movie. Okay. Like okay. everything you see is real. And, um, you know, and that's where, like, this car have a honey holder? Like, there's just stuff that comes out of the fact that we're just using real stuff, right? Um, but I thought it would be funny to have, you know, actors that their day job was being police officers. Like, that's how they're paying the bills. But their real, like, goal in life is, is to be, you know, actors. And so to see them do, like, little improv, you know, exercises together and – um, again, Josh said those were two guys that after we got everything to book, we would just, you know, I'd say, okay, now you've got something in Upland, go. Now you've got this. Okay, someone's calling in about this, go. Um, but I knew how to set them up because I've worked with them for years. And plus, awesome. I knew they worked well together. Um, but yeah, you know, getting once we got all the jokes about, you know, the one cop being, you know, auditioning for NCIS, CSI Pittsburgh, you know, stuff like that. And then I'll end up, wa I was watching the other day on USA and they're having a marathon of NCIS, CSI. So they're saying it together, NCIS, CSI. And I'm like, oh my God, 
it's our movie coming to life. Like, because there's so many of those those shows. I was like, well, what if we just combine them, the two? You know, you might as well. They're all the same show after, you know, they all blur together. So just allowing the actors, like Josh said, knowing them and then giving them the freedom to be as creative as they want. Um, was part of the draw to get them to actually, you know, come to set and give us their time. That's awesome. So Felicia Day, are you friends with her? Yes. Uh, so Felicia and I uh, have done comedy. These are all improv friends, and she's so busy. And I, I just said, listen, you know, I'm doing this movie. Here's the scene. I, I think this is perfect for you. I wrote it for you, but I get that, it, you know, you probably don't have time. And she's and she just, she made it work. She gave me, she gave us a day and she came out and delivered like we knew she would. I mean, she's an all-star and, uh, you know, everything she does is, is great. I mean, it really is. She's so loved by everybody. It's just, you know, connecting with her fans who are like, just adore her. Right. And so for her to share her talent on our film was just, was just amazing. But yeah, she's a personal friend and, you know, when you do work for this long, that's what the point of like performing is like, you want to establish yourself in the industry in a certain way so that you do attract these other professionals that you want to work with. So I've been very fortunate that I've, you know, been performing and, and had the opportunity to work with these, with these improvisers and that they respect me and I respect them. So, you know, I've done things for free for other people. I've worked on Felicia's stuff. I've worked on Jeff's stuff. I've worked on the cop stuff. So, you know, it was it wasn't a big deal when I went out to ask them, even though they really don't have time. They they made they made the time for us. And so it was a really amazing. Yeah, that that's awesome. That's awesome. What about uh, Kurt Angle? He's a um, a pro wrestler, right? Yeah, so Kurt is a WWE wrestler. He actually went to the Hall of Fame this year. He's also a gold medal winner for wrestling at the 1996 Olympics. Yeah. I mean, the man is a legend. And, uh, you know, when me and Shelly were kind of meeting and I, we were discussing who I kind of envisioned for Mr. Black, I really wanted like a muscly, big, like talking, like guy, like a wrestler. Right. So we were like, let's look into let's look into wrestlers. Like for sure, that might be a cool crossover and we can, you know, get some fans and buys that way as well. And so we kind of were talking about other people. And then one day Shelly was like, what about Kurt Angle? And I literally had a laugh out loud moment. Because if you know Kurt's wrestling at all, you know he's very clean cut and doesn't really play like a heel. He he's and I and I knew what lines we were writing on the page and how kind of outrageous they were for Mr. Black. So I was like, I don't know if he'd be into this. And um, Shelly Shelly literally got a got a script to his manager and got it. Then you know we find out Kurt read it. And uh, three days later, we found out Kurt likes it. And oh, nice, talking, nice. And we're, talk, we're talking to his agents uh, a week later and kind of worked out a deal. And, you know, Kurt's going to then come and be in the movie. And so it, it was insane to me. And I'm, you know, we'll forever be in Kurt Angle's debt for doing this film. Uh, but I will say he came to set to, to crush it, man. He, he brought it. He um, truly wanted to give us who we wanted for the character. And like I said, he, we didn't have a lot of time. We're getting so many pages in the day. We literally shot all of him out in about a day and a half, you know, a day and a half for him because then he's got to fly back home. But um, it, uh, he he was a true professional and definitely him doing so much live work and being just constantly working live at WWE, just, you know, they get one take and they're in front of a crowd. And so he, he crushed it on set. And uh, I really enjoyed his character in the, in the film. Did you, did yeah, you guys get to shake yeah. his hand? Did you guys get to shake his like massive hands? 
<laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. I mean, you like come in here, and you're like, Argh! like I, I mean, no, it must be I mean, intimidating you're... against a, a guy standing next to a guy physically that large. Oh yeah, I mean, he definitely just plays that character, but he also turns it on, and he's he's a sweetheart. He doesn't cuss. He really life. is. He is like the nicest guy, honestly, in real life, and so. It was so funny just seeing him get to like switch it on during on take and look really menacing and then, you know, cut and be like, how was that? And you're like, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. You're you're killing it. Yeah. I mean, his character, you know, in the his persona, of the WWE and in real life, he doesn't cuss. He's, you know, that's not him. He's very squeaky clean. So I think his fans, they're, they're telling us that they're getting a real treat to see him in this role because it's so different. And he's such a good actor that he just he pulled it off. I mean, he he was really intimidating and uh, did a great job in this role. But then, like Josh said, off camera, it's like he couldn't be nicer. I mean, the guy was a sweetheart. You know, he really was. I, I don't I hope that doesn't ruin anything for his like wrestling persona. I mean, uh, he'll murder you. He'll murder you in the yeah. ring. But it'd be but, nice about it. He'd be like, yeah, he'll apologize. But yeah. But yeah, at the end, he'll apologize and give you a hug after you're bleeding on the mat. So it's like he's a nice guy at the end of the day. But yeah. He was giving us his all for sure. And I, I've told this story a couple times. But like when we booked him, we were like, hey, like, give us your sizes. We're going to get you wardrobe, blah, blah, blah. Because like, I know what that last scene is on the page. And so he was like, oh, I'd rather wear just one of my like pre fitted suits already and we're like okay and then cut to you know him on set and he's i'm not gonna spoil anything about the ending but he kind of like ends up on the ground and in, in, in the back of my line he's rolling around in the dirtiest back alley of los angeles and i'm like that's his personal suit right now he's just going for it i'm like yes kurt is killing it so he, he definitely wanted to give us exactly who we wanted uh for mr black and and uh that definitely comes across and reads for sure because he crushed it and that uh, that suit he had on was pimp purple oh, come on right yeah i mean it, yeah it, it's like we said it was like perfectly fit way better than anything we could afford to get in <laughs> and uh but he's a champion i mean you see why he won the olympics why he's in the hall of fame because he doesn't think about that stuff it, and you know the injuries he sustained you know wrestling he that's out of his mind when it's showtime and it's go time you go and you give it everything and and he did um another cool thing is the fact that he was working live for so many years um uh, it really prepared him for a role like this when in independent filmmaking you don't have hours and hours for one scene so he had to instantly bring it the first take. So we only need one, one or two takes from him. Um, and it was that, and he delivered, which was, you know, it's unusual that actors, you know, of course the ones we had on chasing Molly were able to do that. But most times actors take a while to warm up. They might flub their lines. They might not get it right. Um, fortunately, uh, Kurt delivered every take. And so we were able to accomplish what we needed to accomplish in a very short period of time. And that's because of his talent and the ability he had to be instantly charismatic and dynamic on camera. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's he's probably so used to he has to do it correct because the his audience will see right through his bullshit. Right. His bullshit, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. He's, he's pro. That's a pro. That's that's awesome. I love hearing stories like that where you get to work. People get to work with people, and they're you know much more than they expected. Yeah, yes. he was awesome. Yeah, that was the story of this. You know, like we just got like I knew the comedians were going to be talented, but then everyone else we got like Kurt, you know, and Scar. 
Um, we just got so fortunate that they gave us even more than we wanted. And we didn't, we didn't know if they would, because we didn't know them professionally, you know, in that as actors. Um, but man, you know, especially Kurt, when he came out, he just, he gave it everything and you're just in awe. And then when you watch him, um, he just, he really does. He lights up the screen. There's something about him that, that it factor, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's got it. And so for, for him to be in our film, um, it's because he's also very hands-on with his career. He reads the script. Uh, he doesn't rely on his agents to make his all his decisions. You know, he makes decisions that he feels are best for his career. And that's why he's also been successful for so long, for so many years. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to people um, checking out your movie, Chasing, uh, Chasing Molly. I keep wanting to say Chasing Amy, and I'm sorry it's in my head because that was like a movie I watched a million times when I was younger. So if I said that it, it, on accident during this podcast, I apologize. Did you guys notice that at all? No, you're, we would have okay. corrected you immediately. Okay. Okay. okay, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. Yeah, so cha- yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing um, – I'm looking forward to people checking it out, letting us know getting in contact with you guys, telling you how they felt. I'm definitely looking forward to what, I, what you guys have in the future. You know, you guys have any more collabs in, uh, in line? Yeah, definitely. Um, the comedy that I had written that Josh had talked about before, um, that actually, that movie's now more relevant. It's about a female perspective in Hollywood, a comedic uh, perspective. Um, Which one is so that again? It's a comedic perspective, a female comedic perspective. What about- was it called again, though? Oh, I can't give you that title right now. Oh, that's oh, that you're working on. That you're working on. Okay, sorry, yes, sorry, sorry. but let me tell you, there's a reason why you know we're making this movie now as opposed to when we first started uh, getting investors, and it's because so much happened uh, during Hollywood and uh, the Me Too movement and just all the different things that are coming out. When I went back to the script, um, I really we reworked it and rewrote it so that it's even more relevant now. Um, so it all made sense in the end, you know, why uh, we made Chasing Molly first, and now we're making this next comedy. So we actually have another comedy um, that's already written, and we're packaging that now, and we have a couple other features as well that, we're, nice. that we have stories for. So yeah, Josh and I, you know, when you find someone that you work with as well as Josh and I, uh, you know, work together, you you don't let that go, you know, especially being creatives, but also having to make something like sometimes two creative people can be together, but you can't quite accomplish a product. Um, Josh and I are very goal oriented and we balance each other out in different ways. So we actually make something, um, which is just, you know, that speaks volumes to me and I, I love him for it. Definitely. That's awesome, man. (laughs) Like, uh, Josh has a huge pedigree, man. List some of the stuff that you've been a part of because you used to do special effects. So list some of the movies that you've been a part of. I see some big hitters here. Yeah, I mean, luckily it started my career. I kind of, when I first got out to Hollywood, got involved with a VFX company called Hydraulics. And through them, you know, got to get some credits on some very, very large movies um, visual for the visual effects team for like Avengers and Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, Looper and... San Andreas, and I mean the list. The list goes on and on, and, and it's kind of, you know, funny. In this industry, a lot of people want to pigeonhole you, and so on my IMDb, I was like, I gotta stop adding these VFX credits, or I'll never have enough director credits to like <laughs> say director first before it says visual effects. And so, um, super cool, and I, I'm. It was a great place to kind of cut my teeth and see, you know, 
how these hundred million dollar movies operate, you know, you get to peek a little bit on the inside of that. And so, you know, through that and then freelancing and got to learn a million different crew positions. I feel like I've worked in some form or fashion, every single crew position under the sun, um, you know, and I'm super just happy to have a feature length now feature film that is, uh, that says my name as director on the end of it. And so, me and Shelly will definitely be working and packaging more um, features here in the near future um, and can't wait to get going on that. Awesome. My question for Shelly before we before we roll out and get to the wrap-up part of the uh, podcast is, are you still doing improv? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I perform regularly um, at Improv for the People, so IFTP, um, here in Los Angeles. And, um, yeah, I absolutely, I perform improv regularly. It's where my heart is. And I think it's important too, for actors. They'll always ask me like, well, how do you do it? What do you recommend? And I recommend performing, um, and remembering why you're in this industry. And it's not just for auditioning and getting roles. It's, it's because you love acting and performing. So if it's stand up, do stand up. If it's sketch comedy, do sketch for me, it's improv. So, um, yes, improv for the people. Uh, please come check out our shows. We pre- I perform there at least once a month. Lo- I love improv. That's so much me fun. Me too. That's, that's really awesome. Well, you guys ready to get to the wrap-up part of the podcast? Yes. Yes, yes. yes. Let's get to the wrap-up. Hey, yo, Freeman. Yo, what's up, Iams? <laughs> Dude, what's left to do? Down there, man. Wrap it up, son. So go, 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 go. Nice. We get a free plug. Um, and for anyone wants to see any behind the scenes stuff or anything I'm working on, I usually post to Instagram and that's at Sutherland Film, S-U-T-H-E-R-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. Uh, same on in- Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, but I normally post the stuff I'm working on day to day on that. And obviously, please go check out Chasing Molly if you support independent filmmaking. Um, it is available now on iTunes, Amazon, um, literally through your TV cable provider. Uh, Voodoo Spectrum. Um, the list is is long. Xbox, really PlayStation. Yeah, for the gamers, guys. Yeah, Listen, so, uh, yeah, everywhere. So we can finish the list and keep telling you more. Yeah, I'll, let me step in here, Josh, and take over. Uh, if you might want a hard copy, you might want a DVD or a Blu-ray. It's something you might want to cherish for years. I know you will. If you do, you're going to go to Amazon.com, Walmart.com, BestBuy.com, Target.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, like Josh says, it's on demand on your TV, so you can just order it right off your television. Uh, Google Play, Voodoo, Xbox, PlayStation, I think we said all those, iTunes and Amazon Prime. Um, please follow us, Chasing underscore Molly on Twitter, Chasing Molly Movie on Instagram, and Chasing Molly Movie on Facebook. Um, I'm Shelly Pack, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-P-A-C-K, and I also perform with Improv for the People. So please check out Chasing Molly and let us know what you think. Awesome, guys. You guys were this, – this was fun. I just – you know, it's, it's always good to have guests that I can just kind of hang out with for a little bit. It's awesome. Yes, thank you so much for having us, man. We appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your day to ask us some questions about the movie. Cool. Um, you guys can find me on – Twitter at awkward underscore podcast. My personal Twitter is at they call me Iams, which I'm I'm on there sometimes, guys. Uh, if you guys want to play some video games with me, hit me up. They call me Iams is my gamer tag on everything because I'm a huge nerd. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at horribly awkward show and Facebook, all that stuff. Drop me a voicemail if you like 510-600-3475 or drop me an email the old-fashioned way horribly awkward podcast at gmail.com. 
As Gidget would say. Peace out, Brussels sprouts. Hey, it's the S to the M. To the Slam your cans in the house, so drop your and listen. Poor whiskey, backward cock flask. Merrily sock, bird tell a cat. Destiny doctor down cat. Callously squandered lamb. Heavenly slaughtered broadcast. It's the horribly awkward podcast. Cool, guys. Thank you. I was starting to, uh, I was trying to yell and give you some energy and my dog literally sprung out of bed to see what was going on over here. Oh, that's so cute. She got scared that you were in trouble with your weird delivery of that line. <laughs> Are you getting murdered? Are you getting murdered? Oh no, everything's cool. No, daddy's just trying to act. It's okay. Calm down. Yeah, it's, it's okay, Pete. Oh yeah. That's a horribly awkward show. Your face is coming straight to your ears. A podcast network that's changing gears, bringing fresh funky pods with a fresh funky beat. A family of pods that are bringing the heat. There ain't no stopping us. Keep coming back to us, sick ass pods that'll make you hush. www.hushyourface.com. Uh, 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 uh,